Well, good morning. I hope you're all well. I hope you're all in good spirits. And you may be wondering, uh, where is our pastor? <laughs> A powerful place, this, you know. <laughs> now, you may be wondering where Chris is. We're going to do the offering later. <laughs> you may be wondering where Chris is. He's at... Um, King's Community Church and preaching down there this weekend. I think he's taken a team with him, but he will be back and his wife, Bliss, is here. So, good to have you here and well, it's great to have these dedications. Oh, so much children in the houses. It's great. Fantastic. You know, little image in there. I remember praying with Sarah and playing with them and it's wonderful to see how God answers prayer. Now, you may be, um, if you're here for the first time, welcome. And this is how we do church. And it's very contemporary. It, it looks like a warehouse, but when you get in, it looks like a theatre rather than the church building. But this is how we do church, and we're very passionate about what we believe. And we're into having a relationship with Jesus. We're not into religion. We don't do religion. But what we do is we seek to express this Jesus who we know in a contemporary way so that whether you go to church or not, you can connect with this message that we have, this good news. Now then, we've been doing a series that Chris started last week called First, based around the scripture from Deuteronomy 6.4. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And Chris was beginning to explore with us how we can put God first in our lives, and particularly when it comes to giving. As you know, we've built, bought a building across the road. I met a gentleman this morning, he said, have we bought the one across the road? I don't know, we haven't got that one, we've got this one. But now that we've bought it, we need to turn it into a worship center. And that takes money. So we've been looking at and exploring together how we can be more effective in our giving. And my task this morning is to just give you six points on top of the other seven that Chris mentioned last week about what it is to be a a giver and what giving allows us to do. So, please... We're going to look now at Matthew 6, 19 to 21. And here we go. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. You know what? Whatever we prioritize in our lives, these are the things that will invest time, energy, and money. Now, here's the point. How can we make a better investment of our time, energy, and money in the kingdom of God? Well, I'm just going to give you six points here that... Giving allows us to do. So, on one of the interesting ones, uh, which really follows on from that kind of, what Kevin was sharing about those people who are finding the joy of the Lord hard in their life. Well, listen to this. Giving allows us to experience what? The joy of God. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Paul, writer in the New Testament, he said this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each 
of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. We can experience God's joy as we learn to give. But, you know, giving isn't just about money. We can give, when we give time. And in fact, some says, someone said, money comes, money goes. Time goes. <laughs> the minute you just had, you're never going to get it again. It's gone. The reality is this, that also, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, if you release forgiveness to people who have hurt you, hurt, hurt you and wounded you, you are giving. If you spend time just listening to people, sometimes people just want to be listened to, and the fact that you're willing to do that, you're giving them attention. So giving isn't just money, it's time, it's forgiveness. In fact, when we give, we tap into the very heart of God. pastor called Brad Bailey, he put it like this. People who hoard never have an opportunity to experience God's life. Only givers can experience the joy of God. I, I tr one of the things I do is I'm a training consultant. And if you teach or you train, you, you give yourself away. You know, I've done 30 years of kind of teaching and training. So when I go to those places to train tomorrow, tomorrow I'll be training, you're, you're giving yourself away. If you're in teaching, it's a chemical occupation, you give yourself away. If you're in pastoring, you give yourself away. It's a lifestyle rather than something you just do on a one-off. So, point number two. Giving brings a blessing in return. Come with me to Proverbs 22.9. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. A guy called John Maxwell writes leadership books. He talks about the principle of reciprocity, that what you give away comes back to you. We live in a society that is deeply scripted, as Stephen R. Covey said in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He said, deeply scripted in scarcity. If you have it, then that means I can't have it. So as I look at it like this, if you get a piece of the cake, that means there's less cake for me. So in the corporation, as you move up the hierarchical ladder, there's only one position. And if you get it, the other people are very pleased for you, aren't they? It's like, yeah. And if you have a scarcity mentality, one of the problems is that if someone gets it, as I say, you get green eyes. It's called envy, not good. But you see, the reality is that when God blesses us, he always blesses us in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You see, God is not into scarcity because he owns the whole world. In fact, Psalm 21 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that dwells therein. So when God gives to you, it's not like, hmm, okay, I'll see this guy here. Hmm, okay, I want to give him a little bit. That's not how God says he blesses you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So you're like, whoa, what was that? That's our father. Our father is very generous. 
God is very generous. And the other thing is, he doesn't just bless you so you can be blessed. He blesses you, Psalm 67 says, God our God blesses us so that all the ends of the earth may fear him. The idea is that the people of God, that was the Israelites, the blessing was on them was so great that all the nations around would see it and say, yes, they are a blessed people. And they would be afraid because they said their God is not like the other gods. Because their gods are just idols. Their God is real and he has blessed them. They had that film, Exodus. I didn't see the film, Ridley Scott. But I'm so glad they made the film because I'd already said at least four or five times prophetically they should make a film because it makes a great film. So anyway, I, I, can, I picture <laughs> the, 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 the desert nomads watching a million people walking through the desert with a cloud, their own personal cloud. And at night, their own personal pillar of fire. Kind of different, isn't it? They're walking through. You can see people. Is that a cloud? Yeah, Eli, I think it's a cloud. Then people got their own cloud, yeah. At nighttime, where's that fire coming from? Well, look at here. They had their own fire. That's God's provision. You know, sometimes you need to read the book and see it like that because it must have been weird. Yeah. Like when the Egyptians, the ten plagues came on the Egyptians, the children of Israel were in a place called Goshen. The Egyptians were obviously in Egypt. And there was darkness over Egypt, but not in Goshen. Why? Because God's people were there. There was a division. You see, let me tell you something. God wants to bless you so it could be a testimony to people around you that you haven't put your trust in this economic system. His plan is that to bless you when you put your trust in him, he blesses you. And when people look on, they say, hmm, you are blessed. It's very interesting. I got a new, a new car some months ago, and the people in the street, I've had this Peugeot 406, wonderful car, 270,000 miles the car has done. Right? And when I got the new car, it was lovely to see the reaction of the people in the street, because they said to me, you deserve it. Right? They weren't like, hmm, where do you get money to buy that car? <laughs> Who do you think you are? Hmm? <laughs> yeah. No, it was, oh, well done. And I just thought, well, that's the blessing of God. They were, they were pleased for me. Yeah, I and mean, you know, when you're blessed and God's blessing is on you, he brings no sorrow with it, is what the scripture says. So you're blessed and the people around you are blessed. Let's move on because I need to finish today, not tomorrow. <laughs> I see a police looking to watch. I'm watching. <laughs> I did so well at the first service. <laughs> I must finish well. So, a generous person will prosper, Proverbs 11.25. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. These people have an abundance mentality. There's plenty for everyone. So they are generous with their time, energy, and money. Yeah, there's plenty for everyone. You can get a piece of the pie. So I said to the friend, you can have one too. <laughs> and it took not in my car. I said, you can have one too. It's not the only one on the planet. God will bless you. Acts 20, 35. In it, it says this. In everything I did, I showed that, you, that by this kind, this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words that Lord Jesus said, said it's more blessed to what? Give 
than to receive. So there we are. When we are blessed, God brings a blessing when we choose to bless. Next point. Giving is liberating, an antidote to materialistic anxiety. Come to me, come with me to Matthew 6, 25 to 31. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? Some people say, no, we love food. <laughs> and, and, the body is, <laughs> and the body more than clothes. Well, as I said, please don't come naked. But <laughs> the reality, you ought to wear clothes. But you know some people, they're into fashion, you know, style. Yeah? Look, at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you and I not much more valuable than they? Can any of one of you, by worrying, add a single, single hour to your life? You know, some people, some of us are worry warts. We like to worry. It makes us feel good. But you see, the reality is that God's plan for us originally in the garden was that he would provide for us and we would live under his protection and all the answers of us that we didn't eat of the tree in the middle. But of course, we listened to the serpent. And the serpent beguiled us. And we gave away the authority to the serpent. And then we found ourselves, in that moment, we found ourselves in that place where we are now independent of God. In other words, we can run our own lives. We don't need any help from anybody. And in the West, it's all about independence, isn't it? You know, when are you going to leave the home so we can live without you? <laughs> yeah? As I said, walk around naked, but that's another issue, right? The reality is that it's all about independence, but God's plan for us is that we were dependent on him. And in this humanistic type of society that we live in, we do not like this idea that we have to depend on other people. But God's plan is for us to be dependent on him. We fight it. I know I fight it, but God's plan is that I come to him as the creator and me as the created being and I come under his authority and he provides for me. That's the plan. Wherever I, there is independence in me, there is usually trouble and conflict. But the reality is that God wants to provide for you. And if you spend all your time being a worrywart, you know, worrying about this, worrying about that, then you are dissipating emotional energy that God would want to use for you to have trust in him that he can provide for you in good measure, press down, shaking together, and he can make a way for you in the midst of difficulty. Because God is able. Now, my own story is that, you know, four or five years ago, I was working at college, I was dismissed, it was horrible, it was terrible, etc. But God spoke to me very clearly, Proverbs 3, 5, don't trust on your own understanding. And it was Fliss that brought the other word from Isaiah 55, 8. And the point is this, I, I said, but Lord, you know, I need to get a job. I said, Lord, you need to tell my wife. Because the normal thing would be, you know, what are we going to do? But God said, no, I've got a different plan for you. Four years later, I'm now, you know, fine, um, what they call freelance consultant, and there's plenty of work there. But God had a different direction for me. I had to learn to trust him because he's my provider. So, when we give, it breaks that scarcity mentality. It breaks that idea that we have to provide for ourselves. Let me tell you a truth. God is your provider, not your husband. 
or your wife for that matter. God is your provider. Every good thing, every perfect thing comes from him, the father of lights, with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. James 1.5. Everything. Not, so we're not God, you know, you might just think, well, you know, I don't know if I can give 10%. Look, let me tell you something. He owns everything that you have. The last breath that you took, he gave it to you. So you're not giving something to, you know, giving, you're giving back to him that which is his own anyway. As Solomon put it in his prayer. So you want to break that kind of materialistic anxiety. The antidote to it is learn to give. Those who spend time worrying about their temporal needs can break the scarcity mentality by learning to give and allowing God to be their provider. I love that. God sometimes wants to provide, but you don't allow him to. Give him a chance. Test him and see. Malachi 3 says, look, bring the full tithe into the storehouse and test me now and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour down a blessing on you. Now, I've heard some preachers use it in a different way, but I'm going to use it like that. I want to use it in the sense that test God and see. His power has not abated one iota. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when he sought you and sent his son for you and you became a follower of Jesus. All of heaven's resources was directed towards you because you are a son and you are a daughter. You belong to him. And what parent would not make sure that their, parents, their children have what they need? Luke eleven thirteen 13 says, If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? In other words, God isn't stingy. Sometimes we like to present God like he's there, you know, waiting for you to fail. And when you do to beat you to death and take you to the black tower. It's nonsense. God's plan, God is not like that at all. He sent his son Jesus for you. He came himself. He experienced what it is to be a human being. We will never understand how God, who knew everything, who was all-powerful, all-knowing, became a man and restricted himself to being a human being. And then walked along the dusty roads of Jerusalem and then was prepared to die on a rugged cross for you and I. And now, having done that act, having dealt with our sin once and for all, now, we, it says, he sits down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having made purification for your sin and my sin once for all. And now his plan for you is that the potential that God originally put in you, that was taken by default by Satan, that plan should be restored as you come back into fellowship and into relationship with Jesus through that work on the cross and you now begin to rise up to be and do what God has planned for you to be and do as you work together in the community of God's people and you are changed by the power of his spirit from one degree of glory to another until one day you see him without spot or wrinkle and you're able to worship him with all your heart and thank him for bringing you into this kingdom. Amen? It wasn't in my notes, but it was good. Now, <laughs> but this is, the, this is what it's about. So, giving allows me to support what I believe in. 
Exodus 25, 2. The background is that the children of Israel have just come out of Egypt. They're a million plus people, and they decide that they're going to develop a, a worship center, that's the best way I put it, in the middle of the desert called the tabernacle. So this is what Moses says. Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. This is what actually God says. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. The offering then was from everyone whose heart prompted them. In other words, their giving allowed them to support what they believed in. You see, we're not interested in your money if it follows those of you who are part of this community. We don't want you to feel under compulsion. We want for you to have your heart in what we are doing here because it's all about his kingdom. Listen to this. If you believe that God has called us together for such a time as this to fulfill Jesus' manifesto, Luke 4, 18. This is his manifesto. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has what? Anointed me to proclaim what? Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and a recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Why we've got that building over there? It's so that God's kingdom can come. So that the manifesto that Jesus spoke in the temple that day can become a reality in this community. Because they're out there, as well as in the church, people who are oppressed. Out there and in here, there are people who are poor. They're out there and in there, there are people who need to hear about the good news of the kingdom. And the good news of the kingdom... I've already mentioned the proclamation that whatever you are oppressed by, whatever it is that is, a, a, is it were an addiction for you, whatever it is that you find comfort in, if you come to Jesus, Jesus will set you free from that stuff through the work on the cross. That's the proclamation. Thank you. And the reality is also there's a demonstration because there's a healing of the sick. We believe in healing. Yes, we have the NHS, but God was working before the NHS. Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. He raised the dead. He fed 5,000. It's in the book and it hasn't stopped. So the other half of it is that we want to proclaim the gospel and decree and declare and demonstrate the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is when we take back that which was rightfully God's as we come in and as we, as it were, by the power of God's spirit, undo the works of darkness in people's lives and they come into God's kingdom. By the way, it's all owned by him. And it's a little bit like VE Day because what Jesus did on the cross was like V. He made VE Day. He made an open show of principalities and powers and he triumphed over them. Colossians 3, 2, 13 to 15. Right? So that's the victory. But there's a process between the victory and the, the as it were, complete victory. Because even on VE Day, they were still fighting. Our job, as we, as it were, invest time, energy, and money, and buy that building is to bring into being that which Jesus completed at Calvary as we undo the works of darkness and as the kingdom of God continues to invade this kingdom and we take back that which is rightfully ours in the name of Jesus. That's the work. That's the work. Then, if your heart then is prompted to be with us in this mission, then you'll give time, you'll give energy, and you'll give money to what you believe in.
Next point. Giving allows me to support and share in the particular calling that God has given this church. And I've really kind of referred to it. The Growing Family campaign has come out of a burden to see God's kingdom. That is, his rule and his reign as the works of the enemy are undone in the lives of those who live in this community. The good news is that God's plan is to restore us in spirit, soul, and body. I call it holistic redemption. For many years, we were good at the spirit and soul bit, but we're also dealing with the body. People need food. Right? So it's holistic. We're looking to see people restored in spirit, soul, and body. Giving time, energy, and money means that we're all working together in seeing his kingdom and his will done on earth as it is in heaven. Finally, because I need to get to it. <laughs> Giving allows us to invest in eternity. We're involved in an eternal enterprise. When we invest time, energy, and money in the work of God's kingdom, we're investing in eternity. Now, I carry out a number of roles. You know, one of them is training consultants, yes. Yes, obviously we do the pastoring, etc. We do other things. But, there, but I, when I was talking to Chris Lane, I said to Chris, most people, what they will do, not most, some people, they want to serve God, but they want to make sure that all the financial bits and pieces are sorted out. So they will usually wait till retire, and when they retire, then they, they decide to serve God full time. But you see, the problem with this for me was that I didn't want to give the best years of my life to the corporation. And then after I'd done 30 years for the corporation, then give God what's left. I said, no. I'm going to work it in such a way that I'm going to prioritize God's kingdom and I'm going to trust God that he will provide me with the finances I need so that we can do this work. And by the way, this isn't new. new. If you read the New Testament, you find that many of the people were not full-time workers. They, were all had, they all had their what we call tent ministries. Paul supported himself. I'm not saying it's all for everybody. So my goal was to see, now, give God the best years of my life, not the ones that are left. So... I'm not, as it were, a paid staff. As I said in the last sermon, employment, done with that. (laughs) But as far as I'm concerned, the most important investment I make is in God's kingdom. You know why? Because when someone becomes a follower of Jesus, when someone experiences the healing power of Jesus, when someone is freed from oppression, that affects eternity. Other things that I do, yes, teaching and training and all this stuff, that's temporal. But when I invest here, it's in eternity. You are, or who are followers of Jesus, you're involved in an eternal enterprise. You're also investing not only here in this life, but in the next one. You know... I said to Chris one day, we were, you know, we were worshipping and, and he just preached such a great message and it just caught my heart again to, and I said to Chris, you know what? This enterprise, this kingdom that we're talking about where we are seeking to make it accessible for all those who are seeking and searching for Jesus, this is worth my best effort. This is worth putting in the hours. This is worth working till whatever time in the morning. Do it. It's worth it. Because if we see men and women's lives changed, 
and then coming back into a relationship with God and we see the works of darkness undone in people's lives and they become free to be and do what God called them to be and do, it's worth it. People, there's a war going on. We as the people of God have been rescued from the God of this world, Satan, who Jesus said is a thief, a liar, and a destroyer. Look, friends, as a pastor, someone who you know, has to deal with people, I see how, God, how the Satan messes people's lives up, messes up families' lives, destroys people. Our work and the mission that we have been given is to go into all the world and make disciples and in the name of Jesus, with his authority, undo the works of Satan so that men and women might live as God intended them to live. That's the plan. Jesus said this, go into all the world, make disciples. So why would you not invest in something bigger than yourself? Why wouldn't you give your best and give sacrificially? So that all those who are searching for him, all those who are seeking for him, may find him. Jesus said this. He said, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy But he said, I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. Our growing family campaign, I believe, will make that possible as we position ourselves financially, as we give energy, as we give time to sing his kingdom come and his will be done. Come band, please. Would you come up, please? And would you stand with me? I believe the Growing Family Campaign is for such a time as this. We live in St. Albans, one of the most affluent parts of the country, a fifth most affluent city in the country. Yet, we have 80 people every week coming to get food from the food bank. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There are men and women out there who, yes, they look good, yes, they look affluent, but they're oppressed. They're not free. And I believe as we invest time and as we come to that place when we are ready to to give sacrificially to the work so that can be completed and we put time and effort in God will bless it and he will multiply it so that what is in his heart his heart of compassion so that the oppressed might go free that those who have no hope may have hope that they may come into a relationship with a living God, not religion, a living God, who wants the best for us. Let's pray. Father, we bless you and praise you that you are with us and you are for us. And Lord, we ask you as a community of God's people that you will touch our hearts, that we may be moved with compassion, as we look out into our community. And you would cause us to give, yes, time. Give, yes, money. And give, yes, energy. 
so that your kingdom will come and your will will be done. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. on the sun and moon like horses driven by kings you cover the mountains the valleys below with the breadth of your mighty wings on treasures of wisdom and things to be known hidden Inside your hand, in this fortunate turn of this, you ask me to be your friend. Yes, you ask me to be your friend. As part of our worship, one of the things that Chris said was that worship, giving is an act of worship. So during the song now, the offering baskets will come round. Those of you who are not members of the congregation or visiting, please feel free to pass it by. It's for those of us who are family. Thank you. are swimming inside the breath of your desire where could I run where could I hide from your heart's jealous fire oh treasures of wisdom and things to be known hidden inside your
Father, we bless you that you are the Alpha and you are the Omega. You see our lives from the beginning to the end. And Lord, there's no one like you. You are good. And your name endures forever. Thank you that you are kind, that you are compassionate. You know our frame that we are but dust. And we bless your name. What is our practice here? Just before the service, we have a team of people who pray together. And they get particular words for people. And if any of these words resonate with you, we'd love to pray for you because God is in the house. On my right, your left, there's a team of people who would love to pray for you. So, if you have a sharp pain in the right ear, please come, we'd love to pray for you. Eczema, that's a milk allergy, if that's for you, we'd love to pray for you. Headaches and migraine, a thorn or object in the heel, tightness around the head, stomach pain, that goes right through to the back, someone who keeps being sick, leukemia, and those of you who are pregnant, a blessing for pregnant people. If that's you, come, we'd love to bless you, pray for you and bless you. If there's anyone with a melanoma or cancer, come. God is in the house. We would love to pray for you. Because we believe that God's power has not changed. And you've heard proclamation, but there's opportunity for demonstration. And if you don't know this Jesus who we've been talking about, and you'd like to meet him, we'd love to pray for you also. So come to my right and your left. I'd love to do that. So, now the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his countenance fall upon you and be kind to you. And may you know his goodness. May you know his kindness. May you know his peace. May you know his presence. May you know his power. From this time, always and into the week. And everybody said, Amen. Lord bless you. Have a great week. And tell someone about Jesus and bring them along. Bye for now.